Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we are going to be learning Chukas Rishon, the first Aliyah in Parshas Chukas. Parshas Chukas as a whole has 87 psukim, which is a relatively short parasha, although many times it is joined with Balak. Our first Aliyah is 17 of those psukim. It runs from Perak Yud Tes, Pasuk Aleph, to Pasuk Yud Zion. The main idea of our first Aliyah is Para Aduma, the red Let's take a look at the summary and then think about some of the ideas to ponder. The summary is basically as follows. Moshe is told by Hashem that to bring the, the this is the Chukasa Torah. This is the statute of the entire Torah. What do they need to do? He needs to take a red heifer, which has no blemishes, and it will be brought to the deputy coin, in this case, Elazar HaKohen, and he'll bring it to the outside of the camp where, he'll, where it will be slaughtered in front of him. Then the, he will take from it its blood and sprinkle the blood towards the Mishkan seven times. This should obviously be triggering our thought process to the seven sprinklings of the Yom Kippur service, which is a Kapora service. Um, and the entire cow will be burnt up. And a piece of cedarwood hyssop and a red string is th- thrown in as well as it's being burnt up. The coin who slaughters it will then wash his clothes and remain impure till the evening. The one who burns it will also need to wash his clothes and remain impure till the evening. A pure person will then take the gather, uh, gather the ashes together and put them into a pure place and add them to water which will be thrown later on as the water is going to be used for the sprinkling. And the gather the ashes once again as the third person needs to wash, wash his clothes and be impure until evening. Um, then we hear about uh, some of the laws of the person who needs to use the ashes of the red heifer. We hear that a person who comes into contact with the dead will be pure, impure and needs to be sprinkled with the ashes of the paradum on the third and seventh day from becoming impure. And a person who does this becomes pure, if it becomes pure. If a person does not do this process and enters the Mishkan in a state of impurity, it's a very severe punishment. That person is cut off from the nation of Israel because of having defiled the Migdash in a state of impurity. We hear a few other halachas about Tuma and Tara, of purity and impurity, that if a person dies, everything in the same chamber, the ohel, that is uh, the, the contiguous, um, uh, if we'll call it, um, ceiling or, um, and chamber is made impure, and everything, all vessels or people inside that are made impure. If, let's say, you have an earthenware vessel which only has a receptacle that is worthy of use inside, as opposed to, let's say, a glass or metal vessel which become impure, um, by default, if the earthenware vessel is open, it becomes impure. If it's covered tightly, it will not become impure because the only usable area is the inside, which is covered, and therefore the tumor, the impurity does not penetrate. And then we also hear about anyone coming into contact with a deceased, whether it be via touch, whether it be via ohel, being in the same chamber, whether it be via contact with the bone of the niftar, or even touching a sword which is used to kill, um, these first person who comes tame becomes impure and requires the process of using the afer para, the ashes of the paraduma. So a few basic points to ponder. Point number one question is, is where is the afer para kept? Where do you actually keep the ashes? So it's mixed with maim chayim, with a with special water. In fact, if you read the Mishnah and Meseches para, the way that they would get the this this water would be an unbelievable process. This is in the times of the base of Migdash that describes how they would have these special cows that were used, which had boards above them to create an oil, which children who grew up in a special area, which was an area made above archways, which would act as oil so, uh, and oil as a tent so that they would not become impure and the children would travel on the boards and these cows and use as a stone vessel to collect the water. It's a whole process to get the water to mix with the, the, the So It's a very clear and very specific way it was done. So where were the, the ashes kept? So Rashi describes the three places it was kept. One is in the area of the Mishmaros outside the Azara, outside the 
courtyard of the Mishkan or Mikdash, and that was the one that was used for the populace. Then there was another, uh, a little bit left over, that was put on the Hara Mishka, which was kept for the Kohanim Gedolim to use to produce more Efer Pora when it would run out. And then finally, one was kept in the Chayel, in the wall, as a commemoration, as a Zikaron. Now, another question. What is the meaning of this whole process of Paraduma? So Rashi says, This is an example of one aspect of the Torah which you're not supposed to understand. People may may insult us and may say we're following blindly. This is part of where belief actually goes into the realm of the irrational. We don't understand how it's going. In fact, the Medrash says, they're quoting the Pasuk that Shlomo Melech says in Mishlei, I'll become wise, but it is too distant for me. This refers to the Para Adama, the red heifer. Um, Why is it so inexplicable? Why is it so beyond comprehension? So the Svarna explains that one of the primary ideas is because it is Metame Esatahorim and Metayar Esatameim. That it is the process through which an impure person becomes pure, but the people making the Eferopara, all of them become impure through the process. So it doesn't make sense that something which is the vehicle of purity should create uh, um, defilement and impurity at the same time. Um, we, we do hear that, on the other hand, that Rashi at the end of the section quotes Rabbi Moshe Darshan. He explains that this is actually could be understand, understood to a certain degree as a symbolic mother atoning for her son. Like a child who makes a mess, the mother has to come and clean up after the child. So the para, Yadilma, is the mother, the mother cow, the red heifer, who's atoning for the cheta egel, the young calf, which was made by B'nai Yisrael, their Avodah Zorah. So the symbolism of, of it being red for the, the color of sin, the idea of no yoke being worn on it, um, uh, because they remove the yoke from their shoulders. A lot, lot to think about in this. Obviously, Rashi is not saying this is the only reason, but Rashi is saying is there's a certain degree of understanding we can have, but the full depth of understanding we can't have as well. Why is this parasha placed here? Is another question we could ask. Why is this specifically the beginning of parasha Chukas and um, after Karach? So, truth be told, it wasn't actually given here. There's a debate as to when it was given. So many say that this refer is actually given in parasha Beshalach, just after they leave the Red Sea, where it says Shom Som Loi Choik Umishpat Shom So Paraduma was given even pre Matantara, but it was placed over here. So the question becomes, why is it only actually redacted over here? Um, and the other, the, the Ibn Ezra suggests that it was given already um, earlier on when Akash Baruch Hu does the uh, uh, establishment of the different camps in the Shiluach Machanos and Pashas Nasoi, where the different camps were divided and who would have to leave each camp. So, and that this which precedes the whole episode of Pesach Sheni, where the people who were impure and couldn't become pure, so that was where it was actually given. So the question then becomes, why does the Torah place this section, which was clearly given earlier at some point in time, right here? So the Ibn Ezra and the Ramban suggest that it's because it is a function of a continuation of the end of Pasha's Korach. Korach is talking about the responsibilities and rights of the high priests of the Kohanim. So therefore, it now follows this is another, um, we'll call it responsibility, which is facilitated by the Kohanim. Um, as well. Another possibility over here is, is that uh, the Baal HaTorim points out that the Torah was only given to Oichle Haman. The Torah, if you want to talk about this pure kernel of Torah, Zois Chukas HaTorah, this law of the Torah, the Torah is really only given to Oichle Haman, to those who lived this super, supernatural existence, who lived in the desert for those 40 years. But after the desert experience, there was a small category of people who were similar to those who were Oichle Haman, who, le- who ate the manna, and those were the Kohanim, which means to say that part of society that we, we sustain in the world, that we look after them and we give them material supports so they can focus on the spiritual, those are the ones to whom the Torah is given, which is why it's placed next to the Kohanim as well. 
Another question we could ask is why is this called Chukas HaTorah, the law of the Torah? This is the last question we're dealing with in our very short time today. The Orachim HaKadosh points out is that by the nation of Israel accepting the standards of the Torah, it actually raised their spiritual and we'll call it metaphysical makeup to be different to the rest of the nations of the world, which is why when they die, the, the atrophy, the, the, the return is, uh, is, is, is more defiling, which is why certain halachas of Tumah and Tara only apply to Jews and not even to non-Jews. As an example, a famous drasha from this aliyah is Adam Kiyamus Ba'oel, when a, a man or a human being will die in a tent. So the Gemara says only the nation of Israel is called an Adam and not the rest of the nations of the world, implying that the, not, not as a judgment on the nations of the world, but that the halachas of Ohel, of the chamber of the mace, are not applicable to the rest of the world, to the, to the rest of the, uh, the, the, the other nations. This is a hotly debated topic throughout the ages, and uh, there's a discussion as to whether Israel are intrinsically more holy or because of mission more holy. There's a very beautiful Tiferes Yisrael, Rav Lipschitz, in his commentary in Maseches Avos, um, on the famous statement of Rabbi Kiva that Chaviv Adam Shiniv Rabbi Tzelem, that, that all human beings are built in the image of God, but there are those who are called Bonim Lamakam, called children to Hashem, those are Jews. So how are they different? In what in what respect? And Rav Lipschitz actually argues that um, that Israel were given the extra ability because they were given the instruction manual as to how to reach Hashem's will, whereas the non-Jews were not given that explicitly. So therefore their achievement of it is more impressive, but our lack of achievement of it is, is more egregious because we were given the instruction manual. So he already struggles with this notion of why it is that there is a higher spiritual level to a, to a Jew. Um, and um, and and how this plays itself out in halacha. This may explain why the Chukas Torah, the, the laws of purity and impurity, reflect on a very important intrinsic, or um, or or at least mission-related difference between Jews and non-Jews. When this closes the first aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.